That's how it is these days. <laughs> That's how it is these days. <laughs> it never used to be like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like that these days. When you get a spoken word, you know, when you get a spoken word, you tend to pay attention. Have you noticed that? You tend to pay attention when you hear the voice of God speak. It's a spoken word. Can't deny it. What am I doing? I don't really know, but that's okay. Once upon a time, at the end of 2015, I was at the prayer house in Wellington. I'd forgotten that Steve and Joe were there as well. And then we were in the garden chatting. And what they hadn't seen was that not long before, I'd been sitting in the garden with my head in my hands, having heard a spoken word from the Lord. Enter into rest. Enter into rest. Cease from your work as the Lord ceased from his. I was sitting there coughing away with double pneumonia. <laughs> the sixth episode in the course of the year. Hearing the Lord very clearly saying, down tools, down tools. No more seminars, no more teaching, no more ministry sessions, no more nothing. Down tools. <laughs> yeah. And not only did he say, enter, enter rest, he said this as well. <laughs> this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Man, you can't escape that, can you? Eh? <laughs> Isaiah thirty fifteen. In returning and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your way straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Hmm. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Man, did I need health in my body and nourishment to my bones. But what about this trust and obey stuff? Mm, that's a bit problematic. That's a bit problematic. Anybody finding trust a bit problematic? Oh, one or two. Yeah. yeah. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't think I'd ever trusted the Lord with any of my heart, let alone all of my heart. I mean, it's a really good scripture. You can trot that out under all kinds of circumstances, you know, especially to other people. You know, it makes you seem really wise and profound. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. When he, when he says it to you and you have to look at yourself, 
lean not on your own understanding. If I wasn't going to lean on my own understanding, what was I going to lean on? I mean, I've been leaning on my intellect ever since I was a boy. It's the only thing that gave me any validation. <laughs> I'm going to put that aside. Ooh. In all your ways, submit to him. All my ways, submit. I wasn't a submitter. I've never been a submitter. I mean, that's things wives do. Yeah? They do that with their husbands. Yeah? Submit, man, what am I going to do? <laughs> well, the first thing I did was have a look in the Bible. That's always a good place to start, yeah? Good place to start. To find out the meaning of this word, trust. I discovered it actually meant trust. That was a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> yeah? To be sure of, to be confident in, to rely on. But you see, I'd only ever relied on myself. So how am I going to do that? He's inviting me, you see. In returning and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But the big word is trust. So I started finding uh, passages of scripture that uh, really helped me. Okay? Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. Okay? That let me off the hook from trusting anybody. It's a good start. Here's another good one. Beware of your friends. <laughs> Don't trust anyone in your clan, for every one of them is a deceiver and every friend a slanderer. I'd already worked that out by myself. Yeah. And mm, mm, here's some confirmation. But here's an even better one. Your relatives, members of your own family, even they have betrayed you. They've raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, even though they speak well of you. And at that time, that was a really, really raw wound in my heart. We'd just gone through some terrible, terrible family issues which created absolute chaos in the family to the point where no one trusted anybody anymore. Really, really, really painful. But then I found something encouraging. <laughs> mm. While he was still talking, some people came from the leader's house and told him, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, don't listen to them. Just trust me. So here was some guidance, I thought. All those voices in my head that I'd been listening to all my life about what to do and how to do it and how to keep safe and how to make things work. Yeah? Don't listen to them. Just trust me. So that was the beginning. The beginning. And I discovered that if I would follow that invitation and find out how to do that, that this would be the outcome. 
May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that seemed like pretty good incentive to me to uh, follow this up. First I had to find out what is this thing called trust. So I turned to my trusty counselling texts on my library shelf and found one by Larry Crabb who's pretty reliable and this is what he said trust is the bedrock of what makes relationships work it's the fundamental process of love and intimacy when trust goes what goes with it are safety security, respect, love and friendship replaced by anger, insecurity, anxiety, fear and the aggrieved person, the one who is now not trusted becomes like the police, the FBI or the CIA. Distrust causes a spouse to look through cell phones, check emails and ask endless questions about where have you been? What were you doing? Who are you talking to? What were you talking to them about? We had some friends at one stage and uh, the husband had a gambling problem and he wouldn't own up to the fact that he was gambling again but his wife could always pick the signs and sooner or later she'd always find a gambling slip, T-A-B, slip, yeah, in one of his pockets or whatever, yeah. How did she find them? Well, she used to search his wardrobe from top to bottom, looking for it, so she could say, aha! So you see, broken trust really, really is bad for relationships. And so if we've got a problem trusting God, We've got a problem with our relationship with him. And uh, because of that, it's really difficult to enter into intimacy. Very difficult to be intimate with someone you don't trust. I mean, who knows what they're going to do? Who knows what they're going to say? Who knows who they might tell? How do we do that? I discovered that basic trust is actually the ability to hold the heart open to others and to life, especially to God himself. No matter what the situation and circumstance, the ability to hold the heart open is a characteristic of basic trust. It's an inner sense of being secure in who you are as a person so that you trust yourself and your identity as being okay. No matter what other people might say, once God validates you, it's okay. Basic trust is established in the first three years of life. If things don't go well in the first three years of life, trust is either broken or not established and we end up being insecure and defensive. The key, of course, is bonding. 
attachment. There's some good bonding going on over there. That's really lovely to see. Yeah. That's what it takes, you see. That's, that's a picture of bonding going on over there. That little baby there is learning to trust, feeling safe and secure in the sure knowledge that mum's not going to suddenly jump up and throw the baby out the window. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, th you think that's extraordinary? Just last week a father strangled his toddler to death. The week before that, our little girl had a nightmare and came in and woke up Dad, who turned his fists on her and pummeled her unconscious. This is the kind of society in which we live. And so this is where we need to, uh, where we need to express trust, where we need to learn trust, where we need to model trust and pay attention to what's going on. Eh? Pay attention to what's going on. Because bonding happens no matter what, but you see... Bonding is either fear bonding or love bonding. There's some love bonding going on over here. Do you know in the households of family violence, the little kids that get beaten up, they're still bonded to their parents. And if they get taken into care, all they want to do is go back to their parents. It doesn't matter they're going to get beaten up when they do. You can't replace mum and dad. Sadly, yeah. And so what we want to create, isn't it, is love bonding. Many of us actually didn't have that. Many of us didn't receive the kind of nurture that's happening over here. Especially if you've already got 15 kids, you know, and mum and dad are really flat out on the farm or whatever it is, yeah. You get overlooked, you get left out. You don't receive the connection that we need to a parent figure to trust. Because you know that the relationship we have with our primary caregivers, parents is the other name for them these days, um, we project that onto God. And so if we have fear bonding, then we will always fear God. You never know what he's going to do. Eh? You only need to read the Old Testament to find that out. People with fear bonding read the Old Testament through eyes of fear and they see God as a tyrant who can't be trusted. He does all kinds of bizarre things like wiping out uh, peoples and, and you know, sending fire from heaven. And not that one. Yeah. Can't trust him. And yet that's exactly what we need in order to have the kind of security that we need in order to grow to the full measure and stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is working on bonding and trust in you now. So if you find yourself in circumstances that are really difficult, that is challenging you, 
to trust God, it's because he's working on your foundational trust issues. He's working on your basic trust. He's trying to establish that foundational level of security that this little baby is developing over here. Because for you and for me, it wasn't quite like that. Not quite. We know that trust is broken when uh, our parents don't have the capacity to nurture us in a way that causes us to feel safe and secure and loved. We end up uh, with our trust broken through abandonment or desertion or betrayal or neglect or abuse. Who knows what it is? And as a result of that, we, we become insecure painfully. Painfully. It's called attachment pain. When we don't bond and when we don't attach to mum, the circuitry in our brain doesn't actually make the connection it needs to make. The relational circuits in our prefrontal cortex don't join left eye to left eye with mum and find safety and security there. So what happens is below the cerebral cortex there's a thing called the basal ganglion where our attachment security is established. And if it doesn't get established, we've got a red hot wire at the bottom of our brain that we can't access by thinking about it because it's below the cerebral cortex in the basal part of the brain. And it runs there like a constant toothache hmm? all the time, creating in us the distress of insecurity. And as a result of that, we develop what are called attachment disorders. The first style is dismissive. That simply means we shut down. And we don't make relationships. We don't have friends. We just become totally self-orientated and performance-orientated and we do our stuff. My dad had a dismissive attachment disorder. He never had a friend in the whole of his life until the day that he died. Not a one friend did he ever have. He died at 93, friendless. He didn't miss them. He didn't realise he needed them, or one. When he was about 82, he said to me, I made a really big mistake earlier on in life. If I'd thought about it, what I should have done was bought a ute and a trailer and a concrete mixer, and then I could have done a lot more things myself without depending on others. How about that for a review of a lifetime? If only I'd had a ute and a trailer and a concrete mixer. Life would have been so much better. What kind of pain is that? Non-relational, non-attachable. 
So you see, I grew up with it with no attachment whatever from my father at all. At zero connection. Just none. No connection. So my relational circuits uh, were off for most of my life. Not a very good thing when you're married. Yeah? Yeah. So after 15 years, my marriage failed drastically, drastically. Because my wife had another attachment disorder. She had what's called distracted attachment disorder. That meant she was desperately needy. She came from a family where her dad was an adulterer and a, and a drunk. And she would come home from school and find her mum with her head in the gas oven on more than one occasion. So she was very, very needy. That's what distracted uh, attachment disorder is like. Very, very needy. Always looking for someone to satisfy that need, someone to connect to. Okay? Needy, 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 needy. Now, if a needy, needy, needy woman marries a man with dismissive attachment, you've got problems. You've got real problems. And you see, that was my mum. She had distracted attention disorder. So she chased my dad around the world and around the house and around the garden and every other place she could uh, chase him, trying to elicit from him yeah, some response. Yeah? And the more she chased him, the harder he ran, either to play golf or to mix some more cement. Or <laughs> His favourite thing was to go to the rubbish dump with the trailer. Absolutely. See what he could find down the rubbish dump. Yeah. The neighbours would complain drastically when he put an old bed frame against the fence and, you know, put creepers on it. Yeah. He thought it, he thought it was wonderful. Didn't, didn't have to go to Bunnings. Cost me nothing. Look at that. Perfect. No. Neighbours, no. No. Exactly. So, you see, what the Lord wants to do... Oh, sorry, I forgot the final one, which is called disorganised attachment disorder. That happens if you grow up in a very volatile and chaotic family where there's family violence or alcoholism or whatever and you don't know when you're safe. Eh? You don't know what condition Dad's going to come home in. You don't know what condition Mum's going to get up in. And so you're constantly on high alert. You're constantly looking for danger. You're ready to run out of the door at a moment's notice. In an uh, experiment that was done at a childcare centre, um, children were monitored for their behaviour when their parents came to pick them up. They discovered that the children who were suffering disorganised attachment disorder would approach their parents backwards. When the parents came to the door, there's the door there, the kids would look over their shoulder and approach them backwards. So if they saw the dangerous cues, they could run away. Disorganised attachment disorder. Now what happens with that? It means I want to be close to you, but the moment I get close to you, I get scared. So I pull back. So it's push, pull, push, pull, push, pull, 
all the time, all the time dissatisfied and scared. Now you can imagine what happens to our relationship with God when we start projecting this stuff onto God, our loving Father. If we've got dismissive attachment, we don't even look for him. We don't expect any help from him. We don't expect him to connect with us. And so we do the Christian things, but basically we're independent and self-sufficient and we go about doing what our mind tells us to do. If we've got distracted attention disorder, we're always wanting help from God. We're always needing healing, we're always needing something, 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 something to be fixed, always, forever and ever and a day. But it's never enough. And so we become disillusioned with the God that doesn't heal, disillusioned with the God that doesn't provide, disillusioned with the God that doesn't care. Now if we've got disorganised attachment, that's probably one of the most painful of all, in that we have the desire to draw near to God, but the closer we get, the scarier we get, and so we pull back. And so we hardly ever move in our relationship. We stay stuck in that place. Fortunately, the Holy Spirit knows all about this. Fortunately, in the environment we've been here this morning, the Holy Spirit has been busily working on your hearts. Yes? Because that's where the attachment disorders run from. Your emotional state. Yeah? And because the heavens were opened here, who felt the heavens open here today? Yeah. In fact, the heavens always open here. It's just that uh, we don't always recognise it to be so. So you can actually come any time, you know, and lie on the floor there and um, you'd be ministered to by the Holy Spirit. Jesus would visit you, massage your heart, all kinds of things. So don't ever forget that he lives here. You, you don't have to conjure him up, you know, like a rabbit out of a hat. He actually lives here. He's put his spirit here specifically and deliberately for the purpose of being known to you, making himself known to you. Okay? And he wants to do that through attaching. And so he'll be very, very cautiously and carefully working his way through the hurts, through the barriers, through the issues that have caused you pain and difficulty in attaching and having relationships. He's busy doing that. So you might think nothing's going on. Something is always going on. We're always in a situation where God is busy working. So how are we to respond to this? How are we to facilitate? How are we to cooperate? What can we do to help our trust grow? What can we do to help ourselves attach to the Lord himself? I'm just finding a scripture for us.
There we are. Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who trust in him. So he's busy working on you in order to establish secure attachment with you. Here we go. In returning unrest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So of what are we needing to repent in order to return? Eh? For me, it's always been the same. Independent self-sufficiency. Relying on myself. In returning and repentance and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling and you said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore you shall flee away. And we will ride upon swift steeds. Therefore your pursuers shall be swift. You remember the hound of heaven? He's after you. He's after you. So every one of us... Um, has a horse that we ride that creates for us our sense of power, our sense of significance, and our ability to go places. My horse carried me successfully right the way through life until 2015. Must have been pretty worn out by then. But nevertheless, at one stage... Yeah, it was faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Yeah. But in Wellington, my horse collapsed. It was ridden into the ground. It just collapsed. Now, the other thing that can happen with your horse, the one you're riding... It can actually get fed up, fed up with going around the same track all the time. Yeah. And when you come to the old familiar jump, it just digs in. And guess where you go? <laughs> and that's where you find yourself. Now, we all think that's a real tragedy. That's a terrible thing to happen when we find ourselves on the ground, winded, trying to get our breath back wondering what's happened. But there is an opportunity for the Lord to come by and to help us up and to hold us close and to speak truth into our lives. It's called the teachable moment. <laughs> we do have them. There you go. We do have them. What is it? The, the, the Chinese character that says crisis is the same Chinese character that says opportunity. <laughs> it is. So the Lord is always looking for an opportunity 
to build your trust. Because in quietness and trust is your strength, his strength. So I wonder what horse you're riding. There is a horse that's good to ride. You can get up on the horse that Jesus is riding and you can get on the back of that horse with him and there's plenty of room and you can take a journey with him the like of which you can't imagine. And this is the great hope and promise for us once we begin to trust that the whole ah, the whole ambit of the spirit realm becomes open to us. And not only can we ride horses, we can soar like eagles. No longer stuck in our circumstances. And as we soar like eagles, you know that eagles have the most extraordinary eyesight. Yeah? We can see our situation and circumstance from a different perspective. We were watching the map earlier on. It's still there. Hey, yeah. And notice how we zoomed in, and then we zoomed in, and we zoomed in. Yeah? But all the time we're up high and looking down and increasing the focus of our vision, seeing clearly what's happening. So... There is an opportunity this morning to get off the horse we're riding. Sometimes there are addictions. We ride the horse of addiction that helps us deal with our pain. Sometimes it's driven by the attachment disorder that we have as we're trying to seek out a solution for our relationships. When we're trying to seek out a solution for our relationships, we'll inevitably crash and burn unless the Lord's able to touch the issues in our heart. That's why it is that many people go through relationship after relationship after relationship. My daughter Stephanie was really badly affected when our first marriage broke down. And... Uh, Within, within 12 months, she was only 17, within 12 months she had married just, just to get away. Just to get away. That marriage survived for nine months before Stephanie got on a plane and flew to London as far away as she could possibly get. And she's had one relationship after another, disaster after disaster after disaster. But something's happening. Amen. Something's happening. Yeah. Something's happening. She's told me just recently that um, she's coming back to Australia. She's going to live in Sydney, as far away in Australia from Perth as you can get. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah? But at least it's not the other side of the world. Yeah? 
because she's hooked up with a guy that she met 15 years ago uh, in London who came to Sydney to work. And they've been corresponding all this time. Little did we know. Yeah. He's a Christian. And Stephanie has begun to pray again, she says. She says. Yeah. And so she's burning her bridges in London. She's getting off the horse. Her horse has been success and performance. She manages the entire network of group homes for adult disabled in the greater London area. She's been headhunted by people from all over the world. Yeah? That's been her significance. But relationally, her best relationship was with her little schnauzer dog. And that relationship lasted for nine years until last year the little dog got liver cancer. And she took that dog to every vet in southwest England and it died. And for a week she laid in bed with her head under the bedclothes, sobbing her heart out. Yeah. And she came to realise that her life was actually completely empty of relationships empty. So suddenly there was nothing to hold her in London. Man, that took a long time. But you see, the hound of heaven never gives up. Never gives up. Never gives up. So I want to encourage all of us today to consider what horse it is that we might be riding rather than trusting in the Lord. And to consider whether we might be willing to get off it and let the Lord know that we're willing to get off it as a precursor to receiving healing to our broken trust that will help us stay off it. When I said to the Lord, if I get off my horse, if I get off my horse, who will I be? What will I be? I didn't have any idea. But as I'm reading, as I'm reading the Song of Songs later in 2016, I read the bit about where the king comes in a palanquin. You know, it's like a litter with a little house on top. Yeah? And he's in there. And he's being carried along. And he comes to the Shulamite but it's me. And he says to me, you've been working so hard in that vineyard and it's not even yours and it's not even mine. Why don't you just come and ride with me? Opens the curtain. So I went through the curtain. Does that ring any bells with you? Through the curtain into the most holy place where there is safety, security, and peace. And now I just get carried around. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah. You never know where you're going, but it's always safe 
and it's really exciting. Yeah. But first you've got to get out of the vineyard. First you've got to get off the horse. So I may encourage you to pray that prayer in your heart in just a few minutes. And then if there's any amongst you who are suffering the pain of broken trust, which is worse than any toothache you could ever imagine, you know. You know. You know. Then we invite you to come forward for prayer. We'll pray for your brain, actually. Pray for your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a prayer. Somewhere. Hmm. This is the prayer that I prayed, okay? Lord, I confess the sin of self-sufficiency. My earthly dependence has been on performance. Other gods which became my first love were success and significance. Please forgive me for my lack of trust in you. I receive your forgiveness now, according to your word, for you say that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Please forgive me for all judgments I've made about my mum about my dad for the way in which they related to me and release me from the power of the behaviours I put in place in order to feel secure that's the prayer that I prayed you might want to pray a similar prayer And then you might want to consider whether you have a need for your heart to be healed of broken trust or whether you've had difficulty during the course of your life trusting anyone, especially God. So if you feel that you'd like to receive prayer, um, would you first just stand, if that might be you? Okay, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin the good work in you, and then we'll clear the um, chairs, and then we can minister to you face to face. So Holy Spirit, we just bless you for your presence. All these folk who are standing here have been running on lies about their circumstances and their situation. They've been believing lies about themselves, 
about their inadequacies. They've been believing lies about you and about the fact that uh, it's hard to trust you. And we bless, you, we bless you, Jesus, for your compassion and mercy. We bless you for the fact that you just want to carry these folk. You just want to carry them along. When you're running on self-sufficiency, it's really exhausting. It's really tiring. And so we're just asking you now, Holy Spirit, to minister refreshing to lift off all stress anxiety and fear from spirit soul and body and just help these folk to get down off their horses just take care of that horse, Jesus, whichever one it is. And just gather each one who's here needing significance and security and approval and validation. Just bring them really close to you. Help them into the palanquin so they can rest on the golden cushions with you. Help each one, Lord, take their ease. For some, it's been such a long time when we took our ease. Some of us have even forgotten what it means to take our ease we've been so driven for so many years and Lord for those of us who really believe that uh, we're beyond help let it be known that nothing is too hard for you and because of your commitment and because of your compassion and mercy and because of the fact you actually like these folk, each one individually, that you're glad to be together with each one and that you've just been waiting for the opportunity to connect in a deeper, more satisfying, significant and secure way. And so we're just praying now for healing of the attachment pain that runs around the bottom of the brain. Just asking you, Lord, to put your finger there, to release your Holy Spirit there into the neural pathways that carry that pain, causing us to feel constantly on edge, mm. constantly looking for something that we know not what, just to be touching, 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 Lord, 
with those precious fingers that can reach right into the brain. We've seen you do it. Into those areas of, of doubt, lack of trust. Hmm. And bring healing to the little ones. Each one of us needed that attachment before the age of three. Secure attachment is what we needed. And so we're just glad to know that time's not a problem for you. You are the same yesterday, today and forever. And so you're just reaching through time now. And there you are with each one. Little. Some are in the womb. Some are in their cot, their pram. Some are wandering around aimlessly. Some are pulling at mum's uh, apron. Mum, mum, mum. And mum's not paying any attention at all. Others are really scared. Some are hiding under their bed. And we just ask you, Lord, to find each one, each little one, wherever they may be. And you just bring reassurance and comfort. And you just touch each one. And release all anxiety and fear and insecurity. And release your peace. In returning and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust. There it is for you. So when you're ready, just take your time. When you're ready, just sit down again. When you're ready, take your time. And if you'd like to receive personal ministry from, from me, from Sheila and me, we'll come and take our place at the front after the chairs get moved. Plenty of time, no rush, no rush. All is well. <laughs>